Welcome to episode 128 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the winning never gets old edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. And my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine, back from vacation. So uh told me a little bit offline, but uh how was uh the week away? Yeah, I mean, the week away was uh pretty relaxing. Just um went to the beach mostly and uh was able to see, you know, clear water and all that good stuff and um did a little bit of fishing too and you know, just hung out with the family and all that stuff. So um, you know, it was a pretty relaxing week, you know, just get the mind clear and everything and uh you know, get back back to work this week and all that stuff and back to hosting the show or co-hosting the show with you and talking about everything that went hap and happened this weekend and and we saw a lot of stuff that happened at Michigan and uh Nashville. So, you know, I'm ready to get into it and talk about it. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a weekend, at least in the top, the two major series for uh, veterans, legends, winning, and Kevin Harvick breaking uh, his longest losing streak of his career, I believe, uh, to win and get himself into the playoffs more than likely. Uh, a big-time performance by Kevin Harvick, and uh, he got to drive his little daughter Piper around the track, continuing Ford's uh, recent domination at Michigan International Speedway, we'll go over that. Uh, Bubba Wallace qualified on pole for the race and had a really fast car, but uh, as we saw and we'll discuss, being in traffic, uh, very aero-sensitive, these cars. Uh, at this track, it wasn't as big of a deal at California, I think, or ACS because of the surface, but uh, we'll talk about that. And he was bummed out, but he got a second-place finish, got himself into the top 20 in points. We'll see what happens with that as it stands right now. 15 winners, and if you're not Martin Truex or or Ryan Blaney, you have to win to get into the playoffs now. So a pretty insane thing to see with three races to go. Uh, Scott Dixon broke his tie with the great Mario Andretti to win his 53rd IndyCar race. It wasn't initially a day for Scott Dixon, I think. There's any number of drivers that had a chance uh, yesterday, Scotty McLaughlin starting on pole, but um, Joseph Newgarden was up there. Uh, there was a whole lot, a whole cast of characters. Two Andretti cars had issues early in the race, and then they ended up finishing in the top five. Uh, lots of carnage, cautions, which has become the norm at Nashville. They had weather delays at both of these races for lightning. So that kind of moved the starts back for, that did move the starts back for both races. Uh, uh, Marcus Erickson had a rough day and then went and torched uh, Roman Grosjean on Twitter. Um, So that was funny, but it wasn't funny for him. The defending race winner had a off day and so did uh, points leader, Will Power, who um, had issues. So we'll get into all that. There's three races to go. They're actually, they'll have their last, well, they have an off week this week, and then uh, they'll go to Gateway, a worldwide technology raceway, uh, next week. And again, in the Xfinity, which saw Keebler Gibbs win his fifth race of 2022 and held off the whole JRM brigade. Uh, you had uh, Colleg actually running decent for the first time in a while amongst all three cars, not just AJ Allmendinger. Um, good weekend for Keebler because he ended up getting his first career cup top 10 as well uh so good weekend for him in the roundup we'll be talking about the imsa race at road america which saw the conica minolta acura win for the first time in a while 
uh, give themselves a points lead where they're going to have an, a nice, uh, I guess, month or so, about maybe two months, I think, before P- Petit Le Mans. Uh, so they'll have time to test the new, um, uh, what do you call it, GTP car, but they'll have a points lead going to Road Atlanta for Petit Le Mans. Uh, the GT class will have another race at VIR here in a few weeks' time, and then um, we'll see what goes on with that. Uh, MotoGP Moto2 came back from their summer break at Silverstone. The Americans, Joe Roberts, was good. Uh, the American racing duo of uh, Cameron Bobier and Sean Dillon Kelly, not so much. MotoGP, uh, Paco Bagnaia gets a win there. We'll preview Seoul Epri uh, for Formula E. A few races to go there. NHRA is back after the Western Swing uh, at Topeka. Might get in the Marco Andretti news that he's going to actually drive a cup or Xfinity race for Borchetta. Um, might figure out what the heck Tony's announcing. Might be that he's going to buy an AJ Foyt Racing, and he'll have a he'll have a deal with a Ford. He'll have deals with Ford, Chevy, and Dodge, which is interesting. But then when you look at who he's trying to emulate. It's not really that far off the far off there. Uh, talk about some football, and uh, since we're getting in the preseason football now, the Hall of Fame game took place last week, and um, or uh, you guys played in it, right? Yeah, you guys were in that game, right? Uh, against yeah, we played against the Oakland Raiders. Oakland, yeah, or the Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry, and then I mean, my they might as well be the Oakland Raiders. The, you know, it's like the teams. It's hard to get used to the new names and tend yeah. to refer refer to them how they've always yeah. been called. But yeah, the Oakland Raiders yeah. defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, what, like 23 to, or 27 to 11, I think. 11, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, mid-season form, I guess, for the Jags. But, I mean, it's just preseason. But, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get into it later. Yeah, we'll get into it later. Uh, Tony Baselli, the first ever draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Finally. So that was a big and uh Bryant Young, who was uh, a guy who played on the Niners last Super Bowl team as a rookie, um, got into the Hall of Fame. So that was great for me. Uh as a Niner fan, other big names like uh Dick Vermeil, uh, legendary coach, got in, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about fantasy football maybe there. Josh will bring back the sim segment since it was uh away for a week, and uh we'll go on from there. So I guess first piece of business we have to talk about is Kevin Harvick winning his, what is it, 59th career Cup Series race, which is insane to think how many years ago uh, it wasn't, uh, he wasn't exactly as prolific as he had, as he has become. He's one behind Kyle Busch, might possibly become his teammate, uh, but they're, they're ninth and he's 10th in, he was 10th in wins. Uh, Junebug said that in the broadcast yesterday uh, as the play-by-play guy. So 10th uh, and wins. He, of course, the next big target is Dale Earnhardt. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get to 76. Kyle Busch has definitely slowed down in his winning uh, because there was a time where I think he was probably looking at getting to 76 and 83 and 84, which are those iconic um, numbers where you talk about D.W., Bobby Allison, Jimmy Johnson, Cale Yarbrough. 
And then Dale Earnhardt's there too. So those are the next targets. But for Kevin Harvick, he needed a win in the worst way. He was in trouble points-wise, even though they'd been running well recently. Um, had a good uptick in performance, the only Stuart Oscar that really is performing at the moment. Um, but yeah, Kevin Harvick goes out there, wins the Firekeepers Casino 400. And I think he led the last... He led the last 38 laps of the race and um, got a great restart at the end and um, beat Bubba Wallace for that deal here. And um, Denny Hamlin finished third. So his his driver finishes second. He finishes third, uh, gets a stage win in the process. Joey Logano, fourth, former multiple winner at Michigan. Ryan Blaney, former winner at Michigan, rounds out the top five. So three Fords and two Toyotas, and then you add Martin Truex. So three Fords and three Toyotas in the top six. Kyle Larson, three-time winner at Michigan, finished seventh. Eric Jones gets a top 10, and Eric Jones is 13th in points. So that's uh, probably the best they've been and since Eric Almirola, Josh and I were talking about it. it was, Josh, you, you said 2015 when he had that chance in the, in the play to make the chase. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah, that's the best they've 2014 been. Twenty fourteen, when they last 20. made the playoffs, too. Yeah, when he won, uh, when he won at Daytona for his first win or thirteen, yeah, thirteen for the win. And then um, Alex Bowman actually got a top ten, which is amazing considering how bad they've been. And uh, Keebler Gibbs rounds out the top ten with his first career top ten finish in relief of uh, Kurt Busch. But the well, all talk is that Kurt Busch is going to try to come back. This week at Richmond, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Christopher Bell was a guy that was up there. Uh, Suarez and Ross Chastain didn't have the greatest qualifying runs, but they were running up front. None of them had anything to show for it, though. Unfortunately, uh, Bell uh, hooked himself across Ross Chastain's nose, destroyed his car. I don't know what happened with the strategy or whatever. It's the same question I have with Chase Briscoe, who had started 23rd, went up to the top 10 really quickly, and then after, and was up and down all day, was in the top 10 late in the race, and then somehow or another ended up finishing 20th, um, which was fucking pathetic. Um, and now his point situation is very tenuous, but we'll get in, let's take the Kevin Harvick side first. It's unexpected, Josh, that he gets this victory, not because he can't win, it's been a long time. For him, it's been over like nearly two years for him to win a race. And um, Stuart Haas has not been great this year. And Harvick, I mean, he wants to say, well, if people are doubting us, you're the only like there had to be doubt creeping in his mind that, you know, he's running top 10 in points and he was going to miss this playoff likely because there was no chance he was going to make up that many points. So he took it into his own hands, him and Rodney Childers. Uh, used a, a great restart, learning from uh, his uh, mentor, Ron Hornaday, to get that great restart, last restart there, and um, get a win that was necessary, not only for him, but I think the whole organization. Yeah, I mean, this was a you know important victory for Kevin Harvick um, because uh, – you know, going into this race, hadn't won 59 races, and, you know, we were beginning to question, you know, how long would it be until he would win this, uh, you know, this is a very 
uncharacteristic of him because you know prior to 2021 he had the nine win season in 2020 of course missed the uh, cutoff for the final four and you know of course a lot of people and himself argue that um should have been in that final four and not only that but you know this championship system doesn't actually reward wins like they say it does and that's the prime example that we can use for that um in 2018 of course part of that big three uh you know, winning uh, i think eight races as well that year so um you know recent years he's been very dominant in the last two years in the four car they haven't been uh you know close to what they were and i think you know is more reflective of the struggles of the SHR as an organization and then also, you know, other teams catching up to them. But, you know, it's also a factor of bad luck too. They've had a lot of races this year where, um, you know, if they weren't in position to win or, or had a chance, uh, you know, they got taken out in something case in point a couple weeks back with Pocono, uh, when Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, their incident and, uh, Kevin Harvick ended up being the innocent bystander in that one. Um, a lot of other things that this season um, that you know they cost some chance of victory and whatnot. So this uh, getting a win here um, is important for them to make it in the playoffs. And you know now they've qualified their way in uh, at least at least for now. Um, they they've got enough points based on everybody else, but now they have one win. So it's it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens here um, going forward. Um, you know, can they contend beyond the first round, round of 15, round of 16? So, um, and the round of 12, can they make it beyond that? Do they have the pace? But um, Michigan is probably a place where you could have picked Kevin Harvick, you know, 2021, uh, both of those races, um, one last year. So, or, well, not last year, but uh, of course, but um, he's been historically good at Michigan. So, uh, you know, this was the track for him to do it. Uh, so, you know, was able to use the advantage of aerodynamics as well. Of course, uh, drove away from the field on the last restart, got got a good push from uh, Kyle Larson and uh, Joey Logano on the top side, and was able to drive away from Bubba Wallace and the rest of the field. So uh, Harvick, you know, took advantage of uh, the position he was in and now finally winner after 59 races. And, of course, he gets to do what he did like he did a few years ago with uh, his son, riding around the car in the victory lap and he's able to do that now with his daughter so a cool moment for him and his family there as well to uh, be able to do that so um back in victory lane and and now there's a second Stuart Haas car in the playoffs another Ford finally won so uh you know the Ford hasn't been as good as Toyota and Chevrolet this season and you know maybe maybe they are going to turn things around here and maybe we see more Fords and maybe Ryan Blaney can win uh in the next couple of races because um you know of course he he might be on the the cutoff too depending on how things play out in the next couple of weeks so um now we got you know 15 drivers qualified for the playoffs based on wins and now we just need yeah one driver to be able to win a race and then they'll re-rack it by points and and then we'll see if uh, we can get another winner and then that would really shake things up so um you know on, on that note i think one winner is definitely possible and you know getting one more winner so we have 16 winners i think that's definitely possible but then also you got to think about um can we get a, a, another winner that would you know 17th winner and shake the standings up and reorganize by points uh that way so um i think we can get at least one more winner but 
I don't know about two because um, a couple weeks ago I would have thought that we would have gotten uh, new winners every race uh, or every other race, but starting to turn out not that way, although Kevin Harvick winning does change things up a little bit, but not going at the rate that I thought it would have uh, gone. But, you know, we'll see what happens and um, we'll see in the next couple of weeks. You know, we got Richmond, Watkins Glen and Daytona coming up for the uh, Cup Series. And we'll see if uh, anything can happen, which I think three of those tracks, definitely uh, something can happen to cause a shakeup in the standings. Yeah, the the notion that Martin Truex has to win uh, more than likely uh, Blaney to uh, as it stands, if you look at the three race tracks, I think. Daytona's the best chance. He's always been up front. He's for many years. He's been up front. Uh, hasn't closed there as as well as he does at Talladega. Uh, if there's a racetrack, I would say more more than likely that that Martin Truex could win. It would be Richmond because all of a sudden, over the last few years, he's become a short track guy. The Toyotas were really good there. The Hendrick cars were good there in the spring race. Uh, road courses, of course, used to be a thing. But the Toyotas have not shown much pace on the road courses this year. So it's kind of an issue. And then super speedway racing for Martin Truex has never really been a thing in the Cup Series. Um, so that that kind of makes it hard. And then you go and look at that. You talked about the points. And I mean, yeah, I'll bring in I'll bring in Bubba in this in this case, because I was just looking up uh briscoe's average finish chase briscoe who right now if you're talking about that re-rack and stuff i mean bubba has been running well he's on a the best run of his career four consecutive top tens and um looking good two top fives in a row uh first career pole uh ran up front for a good part of the race uh the strategy early put him back in traffic he had he didn't really have as good of a car in traffic you can the the arrow it became an issue, which I think is something to look at since, you know, there's talk about Indianapolis Motor Speedway coming back again. Uh, Michigan and Indianapolis and Pocono all seem to have similar characteristics over time. And um, the racing there to be a little more spread out. I mean, obviously at Pocono, I think it got a little more spread out there. Um, and because of the arrow after a few laps, here at Michigan, it was the same thing. That restart was essentially the race win, and um, Bubba was not was very disappointed and uh, was very uh, was. I mean, I, I mean, I know he knows he needs to win, and based on the points, as Josh showed, one of the things that uh, one of the people who are um, posting the points and stuff um, that uh, you need to win now, uh, unless you're Martin Truex or Ryan Blaney unless one of them win and then yeah then you definitely have to win uh it's crazy to think that the guys that are second and fourth and overall points might miss the playoffs uh which is ridiculous i think um there should be some i mean the point is they have too many cars in this anyway i think fundamentally it should be eight in the trucks 10 in xfinity and 12 in cup there should actually be value in making the playoffs 16 drivers they've had this is an anomaly of all anomalies right now uh what's happened right now at this point kurt bush missing these races should basically knock him out uh not because i want him to get knocked out but it should be a thing where oh you won you got i mean it's not his fault he got hurt you know he'd be in real trouble like he'd need a second win like there you want to say you want to win you need to win a lot chase briscoe has been terrible 
he's his average finish is trash and it's because of the terrible strategy and i say it every week on here that i, I johnny klausmeyer sucks um they have the top 10 average in terms of qualifying and uh they're they're they seem to have one lap pace but their strategy in races uh leaves a lot to be desired and uh they're they're freaking 20th in in average finish and your 16 cars make the playoff you're 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 behind cars and teams that have that have been penalized really like michael mcdowell lost 100 points so they're ahead of us in points you know you got eric jones who needs to win you got Cindric, who's a rookie um you know kurt bush is ahead of us but then he hasn't run every race either uh, Tyler Reddick is doesn't have a great stat line. He qualifies well. Um, Eric Almirola is ahead of Chase Briscoe um, in average finish. Austin Dillon, William Byron. Of course, William Byron won two races early in the year, but he's been garbage for most of the year after that. Um, and his stat line is pretty similar to uh, Chase Briscoe's, but he has the two wins, so he doesn't have to worry about it. You know, you look at... Um, you look at somebody, I'm trying to look for um, Alex Bowman. I thought his his average, I mean, he only has three top fives and ten top, but he has ten top ten finishes. Uh, and that's where he gets away with it because he's been wildly inconsistent. Um, Baba right now, he's been moving up. He has four top fives and six top tens this season. So it's a career year for him. He's in the top 20 right now in points. He's ahead of Kurt Busch. Um, albeit Kurt Busch has missed last two races. So that's where the people who want to move the goalpost on him um, will say, but we're getting into a time here. I know the road course is definitely not going to be the place he, he has a chance, but this is a, we get into this thing. Like you talked about the re-rack, Josh, outside of, you know, I, I think Blaney and Martin Truex, Bubba's probably the next best can or Eric Jones. So the guy that he, that replaced him. And so I think Eric Jones and Bubba Wallace are the next two guys that if we really wanted to flip this on its lid, it could get really crazy. And then it becomes a points race, uh, at Daytona, which is insane. Um, but that's on the basis of those two guys win these next two weeks or something like that, or, or whatever, you know, I think, uh, I don't know who you're thinking of, but uh, about, but I think Bubba Wallace's progression here in the last few weeks, maybe it's because in part Hurt is not in the car, so they've been able to funnel their focus on making sure that Bubba's car is, you know, everything is the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed or whatever. I mean, but it's good. It's a necessary thing considering some of the crap that was going on earlier in the year. And it shows the the relationship that Booty Barker has with Bubba is a great relationship. And it's something that um, he's a supporter and he's a supportive. He's supportive. He can read his guy. He knows how to keep his guy up, um, which is what Bubba needs. Um but what are your thoughts on that? You know, talking about this re-rack and the notion that um, some of the people that are on that cutoff line and some of the people that could possibly win to get in. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, I think, you know, with Bubba Wallace, of course, if he wins, he'd be the 16th guy. And if we get, you know, another winner, say if Eric Jones wins, that's going to cause the re-rack and, um, you know, we'll order it by points. And I, I mean, I think the guys that you have to worry about is, like you said, Chase Briscoe and uh, Austin Sindrick. They're 
and I mean, Kurt Busch as well, but um, I don't know if he's going to come back. We'll see if he does, but which, I mean, I guess to be fair to him, I don't think he'd be this slow if it weren't for his injuries, but, uh, or his concussion, but I think, well, I mean, we can include him there too, but those three guys um, would be in trouble, I think, if, if they went by, uh, they went by points based on uh, the number of winners that we had. So yeah, it's uh it's a really tight footing overall, uh, even though, um, even though, you know, we have guys who think they're secure on points right now. Um, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, tight throughout, um, the lower half of the playoff field. Um, it's, I think, I think, um, you know, you're gonna have to see what happens at Daytona come down to the last lap of that race and, um, who's, you know, who's up front, you know, based on, based on points, um, based on wins, you know, if Bubba Wallace is up front, you know, how does he race uh, on the last lap or Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex and, um, you know, or even go to Watkins Glen, are we going to see somebody dive bomb into turn one or in, into the, um, into the boot, uh, or not the boot, but, uh, the bus screen. Yeah. The carrier yeah. or anywhere there. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how it plays out based on, uh, you know, where drivers lie in that back, you know, half of the field, they're going to start doing desperation or even, you know, I saw something on Reddit where let's say final restart of, uh, you know, Daytona, if Chase Elliott's up front and Ryan Blaney's right next to him, um, you know, does he, or let's say Ryan Blaney's like right behind him. Does he like try to figure out a way to make sure that Ryan Blaney doesn't win to, you know, make sure, you know, he doesn't get into the playoffs and let somebody else win. Let's, let's say, uh, Bubba Wallace is in front of Chase Elliott on the final restart, and Chase pushes him to the win and uh, gets him ahead of Ryan Blaney. Um, that would throw Ryan Blaney out of the playoffs, and Chase or you know Bubba Wallace would get in. Um, do you see a move like that happen, where you know you have a driver uh, pull a move where one guy suddenly is out like that to make sure that the other guy doesn't get in? That's uh, something you have to think about and. Um, I would think you just go for the win instead of um, trying to do something other, you know, uh, trying to pull, a, I guess, a galaxy brain move to make sure somebody else doesn't get in. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, do we see something like, um, I don't know, Kevin Harvick, remember back in 2015 when uh, he needed to keep on going in the playoffs and he pulled out of line at Talladega um, and then caused the uh, final lap crash that basically – after the end of it ended up taking out Dale Jr. and a bunch of other guys out of the playoffs uh, in, in that uh, chaotic restart and fracas and all of that. So um, there are a lot of things that could happen with the way that this uh, playoff system works and um, what drivers might do and a lot of mind games that could be playing. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see. And I mean, one more thing on, that you know, going back to what you said before, with at the beginning of you know being 16 drivers in a, a 30 player or 30 uh, driver eligible field. I mean, it's exactly like basketball because you know, with NBA right now, you have eight teams in each conference uh, out of 30 teams in the entire league that um, make the playoffs. So that's 16 you know teams. So that's more than half the uh, the league that can make the playoffs right there that are eligible. And then on top of that, you have the uh, play-in games and everything that they've uh, implemented since uh, the uh, the bubble back in 2020. So um, it just goes to show, you know, that 
you know, they devalue. I mean, they're kind of emulating other leagues, emulating basketball, even football now with the expansion of the playoffs. We talked about it last year. Like they've uh, really, I guess, devalued the meaning of, you know, who should deserve to be in the field and the quality of the field. Cause yeah, you're right. Like in, in cup, it should definitely be 12 uh, like it was, you know, back before they expanded the field to uh, this size and, you know, Xfinity, I think there's a lot of drivers that probably don't deserve to be in it either and definitely should be 10 drivers in Xfinity and I think maybe six or eight in, in the truck series. So, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of drivers that probably shouldn't be in it um, that, you know, they have one win, they get lucky, make the playoffs, um, you know, like Chase Briscoe or Austin Sendrick. I mean, um, they haven't had a great season otherwise, so um, – they shouldn't be able to make the playoffs like that versus, you know, Ryan Blaney, who's, you know, been fairly consistent and just hasn't won or Martin Truex, who's in kind of the same boat there as well. Yeah. I'm waiting for the waiver that they get in because they're in the top. They come up with some sort of cockamamie thing and then there'll be an 18 driver playoff or some shit. I'm, I'm waiting for that. Cause that's where we're going. Um, especially if there are 16 different winners and the last winner isn't either Blaney or, um, True X. I mean, I'm a I'm a Chase Briscoe guy, and I I'll I've been saying it all. There's been they've stepped on their own junk so many times this year. Uh, they've had win opportunities. They had a chance to win the 500. They were there at the the what do you call dirt, and he ran over Tyler Reddick and cost them both a chance to win. Uh, that's the lucky win that Kyle Busch got. Uh, or else he wouldn't have a win, which would be interesting, uh, considering he doesn't have a sponsor or a contract for next year. But, you know, the and then Tyler Reddick would have three wins. He'd probably be a little further up. The amount of points, and then Coda, another one, qualifying up front, Road America, nothing came from that. You know, you're, you're be qualified on pole at Gateway, cut a tire, you know, there's so many races this year that if they do miss the playoffs, they it's really they have to look at themselves uh, points-wise. Sindrick has been inconsistent. He's a rookie. You're going to expect that. Uh, Pace-wise, the, the Penske cars have not been horrible. They're not the best by any means, but you have Logano up there, always seems to be up there, but then he's the leader of the team. Ryan Blaney has had one of he's had his most consistent season of his career. He's always been and in, he's generally been an inconsistent guy. This year he's changed that up, been way more consistent, and now he's staring at a possibility that he may not make the playoffs and he's second in points, which is just which is a bad look for NASCAR. Um, when you have guys like Denny Hamlin's like twenty second in points or whatever the hell he is, he's he because he's fallen out of so many damn races. Um, you know, like that's, that's crazy. You know, he, he's, or not 22nd. I mean, he's 17th, my fault. Um, he's behind, he's behind Briscoe and he's behind Cindric in points, but not by much. He's only nine points behind Briscoe, uh, seven behind Cindric, but he has two wins. So, uh, that's why he's okay. Um, We'll see what happens. I mean, second and fourth in points right now are in a battle to possibly make it. Then you have Eric Jones, who's actually 14th in points. Um, and then Eric Almirall and Bubba Wallace, they're all inside the top 20. You know, there's 36 charters, 16 drivers make it in. And uh, 
probably it would be a little bit more intriguing if it was just 12, uh, personally. Because um, what would happen is then you go and I'm, I'm just curious, we'll just before we get in the Xfinity, if it was 12, uh, Suarez would actually be the cutoff because he's he'd have the most points he'd so bowman and suarez would be uh uh whatever the cutoff guys kevin harvick would knock his teammate out that would have been something like can can you imagine uh yesterday i i would have been sitting there i was rooting for bubba anyway but it's like oh kevin harvick wins he knocks chase briscoe out of the playoffs oh shit wouldn't that be better and what we're about to see or likely could see in this playoff. Like that's just me, but uh, yeah, I would agree with that too. The intrigue of, Oh, you've won a race, but it doesn't, you need to do more than that. You need to be there. There, <clears throat> I guess it's cause I'm old school. I, I value actually being able to show up every week and doing what you need to do every week, because that's how Tony Stewart won his first championship and Dale Earnhardt won seven championships and Jeff Gordon won all four of his titles that way and et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a value in running good every week or at least most week, the vast majority of weeks, eliminating mistakes, being staying within yourself, top fives and top tens mean something. That's what it should be. You're, you're telling us we need to get stage points. You need to get stage wins, but those don't have value in regards to whether you make the playoff, you say it's playoff points, but it doesn't matter towards playoff eligibility. So there's a chance that Briscoe, based on his um, playoff points, he has more playoff points than a couple of these other guys, but he's uh, right now he has what uh, eight points. So he's ahead of Sindrick, not ahead of Hamlin. He's one point ahead of Kurt Busch. You know, then then it's like you really want to value you want us to value stage points and stage wins, then make it that way. Put an added emphasis on that. So, you know, people would go for those stage wins and basically throw away races like, you know, they've done on the road courses this year. Chase Briscoe has done both at Road America and, and Indy. Um they didn't have cars to win per se, but they could have finished in the top ten. Uh I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't have very uh, high hopes for Richmond because their short track program is short track program has been pretty mediocre. And uh, outside of Phoenix, uh, which essentially isn't a short track, but you know, it's a flat track. They had a good run there. Of course, Briscoe winning, but I don't have a good feeling about this weekend. And I think there's a good chance and we'll talk about it in the previews, but um, good chance that we're going to have 16 winners here after this coming weekend. Another series that uh, in a different series that has, I guess, less intrigue in regards to their points battle kind of talked to Josh talked about it in regards to people who really belong. I mean, if there was 10 drivers in the Xfinity playoff, it would make sense. Uh, But Ty Gibbs, has taken uh, his fifth win of 2022 in uh, at Michigan. The New Holland 250 wins over Justin Allgaier, Noah Gagson, who won both stages and started on pole. Bruckshot Jones, mouth act- too. yeah, Bruckshot Jones, and well, at least Noah Gagson wrecked again in uh, yesterday, which was fun. Uh, even though he was running well too, which was I'm like, oh, here we go. Him and his butt buddy Ty Gibbs were running well. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then 
Noah Gregson did Noah Gregson things and he wrecked the car, which I'm sure Matt Collig is really happy about. Every single time that, that Noah Gregson seems to get in that car, he wrecks it. So that must be nice. Uh, Brockshot Jones, Austin Hill finished fifth and he debuted in the Cup Series, got a top 20 out of it. So good on him. Probably the likely replacement for Tyler Reddick uh, for 2024. Josh Berry finished sixth, AJ Allmendinger seventh, Daniel Hemrick eighth, Riley Herbst ninth, and Landon Castle tenth. So essentially, the the ten guys that we're going to see in the the top ten guys that we're going to see in the playoff, uh, outside of like if Landon Castle he makes it because of the um, because of the twelve driver situation, uh, he makes it in as eleventh, but uh, he's been wildly inconsistent. Speed hasn't been there. Um, but he will get that. I don't know why my phone, I don't know why my phone does that. Just randomly goes and does like voice something or another. Um, Sheldon Creed is 52 points behind Ryan Sieg, uh, Anthony Alfredo, 75, Brandon Brown, 87 points behind, but Brandon Brown is not going to be in that car much after starting with Watkins then I'm sure. So he's he's basically done. Um, Maggot Moron Brett Moffitt uh, doesn't have a ride anymore. So well, good on him. Uh, Jeb Burton, Maya Snyder, Jeremy Clemens, Alex LeBay. Those are all guys. Those are really the ones. Or Alex LeBay hasn't run every race. So it's Maya Snyder, Jeremy Clemens, and Jeb Burton. Bailey Curry who has some sponsorship, so might make a play, but. Ty Gibbs wins again. Uh, he's 28 points out of the overall lead. Justin Allgaier is 19 points out of the overall lead. So that's the the battle for the regular season title is not over by any means. It is in Cup, but it isn't in the Xfinity Series. There's a few races to go before their playoff starts. They're going into September before uh, their playoff starts. So um They'll be in the end of it'll be the late September before they get to the round, the first round of the playoffs. They still have uh, five races to go um, in the regular season. But Ty Gibbs getting that win on Saturday, big win for him. Uh, good points. Uh, Gegson going and uh, getting uh, those stage wins and playoff points. He's putting himself in a position to be that fourth guy uh, because all, what is it? All Geyer Gibbs and Gregson have over 20 playoff points. If Almendinger can hold on and get those 15 playoff points, he would be the points leader going into uh, the playoffs, but he needs those 15 playoff points considering their pace. Uh, there was an announcement today that Justin Haley will be a fourth uh, car in the event at Daytona. Now, of course, with Josh, you know, with Florida weather, we'll see if they're able to qualify. Uh, that's always been a thing there where in the summer when they qualify, if you don't have points, you might get knocked out like Boris said used to when he'd qualify up front and then they'd rain out qualifying and then he'd go home. Uh, but, yeah, the Gibbs gets the win, uh, leads the most laps, Gregson won both stages, second most laps, and Justin Allgaier, who's uh, yet again putting himself in a position to possibly get that elusive championship. But Gibbs uh, slayed the uh, JRM uh, team again and uh, reasserts himself 
as uh, the best of the rest, if you say, in regards to uh, JRM being the best team in the sport right now, even though Junior doesn't want to say that. They're the best Xfinity team uh, by far. And But Gibbs winning is tells you where Gibbs is and the cup equipment, maybe that cup time that he's getting is also helping. Yeah, I think it's you know also helping, but then you also have to consider um, the there are a lot of differences between uh, the Cup car and the Xfinity car. So uh, on that end, um, not different, but you know the more reps you get, uh, the the better. But for Ty Gibbs, fifth win, and you know more than likely you'll know, will end up being the number one seed in the playoffs once they re rack everything. And uh, I think AJ Allmendinger is going to end up being the uh, regular season champion as long as he can hold on, uh, which would be something because he won the regular season championship last year, uh, which I guess we've never had in the Xfinity Series, a back-to-back regular season champion. That would be interesting. But uh, Ty Gibbs winning, and um, it was a fairly interesting race, and I think um, you know the arrow issues that we saw in the Cup Series weren't as prevalent uh, as in the uh, Xfinity Series race. I think you saw a little bit more racing up front, uh, especially at the end of the Stage 2. You saw uh, Noah Gregson get up alongside uh, A.J. Allmendinger and take the lead on the last lap of the stage, and you know, he was able to go out and win uh, the stage there, and you know, apparently threw up in his mouth uh, in his helmet uh, and that so that's uh something he's got to look into i guess on the side uh off the racetrack uh, that's uh i guess a health issue or psychological hell issue. Of a drug. yeah well that's true but i don't think cocaine causes throwing up but you know um <laughs> yeah but it's um it's gonna be interesting on that end but uh yeah i i thought justin algar would probably be the guy to look out for in this race but you know i i think um you know algar had an opportunity but excuse me, that he ended up just coming up one spot short um, and he wasn't quite as dominant as what I thought he would have been. Uh, Ty Gibbs ends up you know, leading the most laps. Gregson, of course, both stage wins uh, led the second most laps. And uh, Josh Berry uh, ran solidly as well. Of course, last year, this was his race to win. Uh, go back and watch that one again. Uh, Josh Berry had a great car in that one last year and uh, didn't quite get to back up that performance or get the win that he deserved from last year. Driving but... for, um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Annette, right? Yeah, he was subbing in last year. But yeah, this year now in his own number eight car, finished in sixth, uh, started sixth, finished sixth, though. Um, only led three laps, uh, but continuing to push forward. And yeah, like you said, I think the seven, eight, and nine are the best cars in in the series, uh, or at least the uh, you know representing the best team in the series. And I think you know Sam Mayer is a little bit a little bit behind them, but you know he's still a rookie, he's still trying to learn the ropes. So um, probably not too far behind on speed. Just uh, you know has to figure it out and finish these races, I guess, uh, for him. But uh, Austin Hill uh, continuing to uh, get solid finishes in the number 21 car, finishing in fifth. Um, you know, he's a solid super speedway racer as well, solid speedway racer. So uh, that's not too surprising there and probably building up a little bit of momentum uh, here in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens uh, as we push forward. You know, we still got five races to go in the Xfinity Series playoffs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens as they uh, continue to press forward. But 
Uh, it's going to be interesting with the race, I guess, for the regular season championship. Um, talked about Almendinger thinking that I think he will probably come out with it. He's still got a good couple of good tracks for him uh, on that end, but Justin Allgaier is not too far behind, only uh, 19 points behind on that end uh, to catch uh, uh, A.J. Almendinger for the regular season championship. We'll see. And then, of course, uh, Ty Gibbs, you know, he could win two, three more races and be right up there uh, on that end. So, uh, could be a two-way, three-way battle for uh, the regular title. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, think, um, you know, that I think there's a you know a little bit. You know, we talked about the Cup Series. There's a lot of parity. Well, here it's all kind of uh, grouped together into about four or five drivers that you know we think could end up being the champion, or you know who will comprise the final four as we go to Phoenix in November. So um, think there's a little bit more quality of competition uh, among this. Uh, you know, field, even though there's a lot of guys um, who are also in this uh, contention for the playoffs that probably don't deserve to be in it. But, you know, we've got four or five guys that um, I think will comprise that as we go to Phoenix. It's something that we'll find out. I mean, we have plenty of time to see where that goes uh, for who makes it in the Xfinity series. I think Sheldon Creed uh, could sneak in, which would be uh, tough for Ryan Sieg. Uh, not because Sheldon Creed has had this amazing season, but RCR probably wants to get him in there too. Uh, they have a big sponsor in, um, in Wheel and Engineering, and they don't want to miss the playoffs. And uh, they're probably going to put some energy into that here. Uh, you know, what is it? Sheldon Creed's good on road courses. Uh, the super speedway program has been as proven with the uh, uh, Austin Hill to be very good. Darlington is a track that Sheldon Creed's done well at over his uh, career. Kansas Speedway's a uh, high high line um, on the wall kind of track, which I think suits him too. And then Bristol will be you know clean versus the the dirt race, so we'll see how that works out, but opportunity is there for him i think outside of sheldon creed uh there really isn't anybody else that i would think that could go and make the playoff outside of the 12 that are in um no offense to ryan sieg or um or um landing castle i mean ryan sieg finished 15th on uh saturday no offense to either of those guys but you know they I mean even daniel hemrick the way he's run this year he's been god awful um, I think, and he's very hard on himself, but the performance out of that team outside of Daytona, when he won those stages, uh, they've been terrible. Um, if you told me like, oh, we're only going to take like the top nine drivers. I mean, Herbst is having a career year and, but they're not like, it's not like they're some amazing team. It's just that it's points. He's getting top tens and whatever. Uh, I'm curious about that. I I need to go and go on uh, racing reference for that too. Um, where the uh, points are um, next? What is it next year? Yeah, 2022 stay. Because racing reference has been bad. Whoever took it over, they fucked it up. But um, I mean, when it comes to um, yeah, Daniel Hemrick only has two top five finishes and nine top tens. Uh, same amount of top tens as Castle and Sieg, and they're all kind of in that realm. Uh, 
Riley Herbst has 14 top 10 finishes and five top fives. So he's not as good as uh, he hasn't as many top fives as uh, he has around the same. I mean, Bruckshot Jones has been terrible. He's better than he has a better average finish in Bruckshot Jones Um, starting position. Not so much, but Bruckshot won the one race, wherever that was. And then four top fives, eight top tens. So that's where Riley Herbst is really making his hay because he has no playoff points whatsoever. Um, he's eighth in points. That would be an interesting battle if it was, you know, for eight or ten. You know, those ten drivers, Lanny Castle, Ryan Sieg would have to win, Sheldon Creed, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that, that would make it more interesting. Um, Bruckshot Jones would be in, even though he's been garbage, but, you know, that's Bruckshot Jones for you. It tells you what buying a ride is worth after spending 18 years in the Xfinity series. But they'll have an off week going in, uh, and then they'll go to Watkins Glen. Um, and we'll preview that at uh, next on episode 129 of the GSP. The Indy cars ran at Nashville, uh, the streets of Nashville. It's a very nice, uh, cool track and uh, rough, very rough, but then it wouldn't be a IndyCar race on a street course without it being really, really rough. Uh, Scott Dixon goes and wins the uh, Big Machine Records Music City Grand Prix. Um, that it's just a, a a big, big situation there. You know, you go and win your fifty third career race. One of the greatest drivers ever. I've said it multiple times on the show, but you know Scott Dixon pulling that out. The strategy, him and him and Mike Hall going and making the call there with all the cautions that were going on um, to be able to put themselves in that position was huge. And um, led 15 laps, started 14th, was in trouble. He was gonna if it wasn't. For it being an 80-lap race, it was an 82-lap race. He was going to lose that. Um, it says that he stopped seven. I don't know if that's a real thing on the IndyCar website, that he had seven pit stops. Uh, that seems weird. Uh, but then McLaughlin, Pelot at three. Rossi, I get five because he had issues. Colton Herta at four. He had issues. So Dixon, McLaughlin, Alex Pelot. Alexander Rossi, Colton Hurd are your top five. Nashville's Joseph Newgarden um, was not happy, finished sixth. Felix Rosenquist, seventh. Christian Lundgaard, eighth after starting third. So the progression and his recent upswing, Christian Lundgaard uh, likely is going to get him rookie of the year. Uh, Simon Pagano finished ninth. And Jack Harvey actually got a top ten finish. Christ. Jack Harvey got a top 10. Uh, Will Power, the points leader, finished 11th. Uh, Marcus Erickson, 14th. Those are the top two guys leading into uh, the race on on uh, on Sunday. But Scott Dixon gets the win, Josh. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, and now Scott Dixon is six points behind Will Power to go and possibly get into that get into that historic number of seven championships joining what is you join Schumacher, Hamilton, Petty, Earnhardt, Earnhardt Jimmy, Thompson, 
that's that's like in motorsports, seven championships is a thing. And of course, Jimmy is uh, Scott Dixon's teammate. But now with three races to go, Scott Dixon, he blew the Indianapolis 500. And I kind of, I don't know if we talked about it that way, but I kind of had a feeling that after that, he's like, I can't believe I gave away what was like a guarantee. Like it's guaranteed immortality anyway. If he had won, whether he wins Indy or not, he's going to be one of the greatest ever. He wins Indy. It's just kind of like that validation. Okay. He didn't have to do shit the rest of the year. The reason that that uh, Erickson is in this points battle is because he won Indy, of course. Because, I, I mean, I don't really think about Marcus Erickson and most of these races. Uh, they put themselves in the right place at the right time. But if Scott Dixon wins Indianapolis, I don't know if we're talking about Scott Dixon being in the spot right here. I think that mistake, a rare error by one of the greatest drivers ever lived by the Iceman, set the tone for what has um, transpired uh, since then. Um, qualifying is not good. I, that That's definitely not in his favor uh, this year uh, or in general. He doesn't qualify well, uh, which is a problem. But, um, I mean, you, you, you take into account uh, what Scott Dixon has done uh, this year. I mean, it's he wins Toronto – gets that that big uh, race, and I'm trying to get that. Yeah, I mean, ever since Indianapolis, where he um, gave away the win, um, he's he's finished in the top 10 in every single race. He The last the, the races at Iowa, he had terrible qualifying, but he qualified, finished in the top five in both of those. His, what is it, the last seven races, third, ninth, fifth, first, fifth, fourth, eighth and then that's because i'm going on racing reference last eight races in the first and he didn't have a great qualifying run at, at nashville either so the amount of top fives that's one two three four five six seven top five finishes and all in the top 10 since uh since indianapolis which i mean it's crazy but it's not crazy because it's got dixon right i mean uh, we have to go there first. He's back in this points battle. He has he has taken he's taken Will Powers balls before, same as Dario Franchitti. Uh, you know, it, and Will Powers been super consistent this year. That was uh, he got into it. Uh, he's only won once. That was Detroit this year, but he has seven podium finishes, and that's a large reason why he's in he's in the points lead um but the you know yesterday was his third finish outside of the top 10 um since his Belle Isle victory um if you count Indianapolis as well it's his fourth finish outside of the top 10 if he as long as he finishes inside of the top 10 this is crazy I'm just looking at this now he's no worse than fourth, which, you know, it's, it's, that's ridiculous consistency. 6.1 average finish for the year um, with a 9.1 average start. That's why Will Power is leading the points. He, he may not have great finishes. Like if something happens, he may not have great finishes. But if he's running good, 
he's running top five. It sounds like Dale Earnhardt. It's like a Dale Earnhardt special or Jeff Gordon back in the day. That's how they won them championships. They finished top five or top ten, top fives and top tens. But Scott Dixon's made it, made him, is going to make him sweat. And Marcus Erickson isn't that far behind either. Uh, he's only 12 points behind now. So the point standings, you know, I mean, 22 points to Newgarden. Uh, was it uh, 33 to Alex Pillow? And uh, for the top five, so Pillow still has a chance to defend his title, even though he doesn't know where he's going to drive next year. Um, was it uh, 50? Eight points to McLaughlin, 59 to Pat O'Ward, who had issues. That's really where it is. Uh, those seven guys are still in it with three races to go, but got Dixon, man. Uh, he's a GOAT for a reason. Yeah, he's definitely the GOAT. And, you know, it's an elite group to join with seven championships, like you mentioned. And, um, yeah, who knew that a mistake by the, you know, driver at the Indianapolis 500 would, you know, lead him to go on a tear. He's like, you know, I got to go out and win this championship. If I can't have two Indy 500s, then I'll have seven championships. Maybe that's what Scott Dixon's viewpoint is. But, you know, on the other hand, talk about Will Power. I mean, Will Power is having his own Scott Dixon-like season. And, you know, in the past, Will Power's lost it and gotten emotional and gotten angry, pissed off, and um, allowed allowed him to uh you know make more mistakes and compound all those mistakes well this year will power has been uh incredibly consistent and as a driver been you know very calm collected introspective and hasn't you know allowed the moments to get too high or too low and he's been able to keep consistency you know throughout you know most of the year and that's why he's the points leader right now you know it took a while for him to get up to the points lead but you know now he's the uh, points leader finally and Marcus Erickson has been the, the guy for a bit but now he's kind of turning downwards and Will Power Scott Dixon are on the way up and uh, you know I think for for Will Power I mean um, this you know quite a year for him in terms of being able to be consistent and maybe he'll finally get that second title um, you know he probably had probably should have had like two or three more but now getting his second title or Scott Dixon continue the Terry's on um, get his uh seventh title so you know we'll we'll see what happens but um it's going to be a battle between two of the veterans in this series on um, two that are you know very good you know one's very good at qualifying will powers got um you know a, lo- a lot of polls in his career and scott dixon maybe not as good but he knows how to finish races so it's a it's going to be an interesting battle the rest of the way um especially gateway is a you know pretty interesting oval you know the action at that track um you know especially on restarts and uh going into uh turn one could be an interesting battle there and then you know you have uh portland and laguna seca so you have two tracks that um road courses that um i think both drivers are really good at and you know we'll see uh if they can you know one of them is going to pull it out but uh i think you know another guy with the bring into the topic of conversation is Joseph Newgarden, who I guess, you know, talking about willpower becoming, you know, a, a calm driver kind of, I guess, molded into the Pinsky image of a perfect driver, you know, will, uh, just Newgarden, you know, was the Pinsky perfect guy for many years. And now all of a sudden he's kind of turning into a douchebag here, you know, lately with, um, you know, what he's uh, been doing on the racetrack and just this race alone, talking about uh, his incident with Roman Grosjean and then comments afterwards saying, you know, welcome to IndyCar, deal with it. 
or this is IndyCar deal with it. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty high and mighty to be talking like that. Um, I mean, if Grosjean can't do it, then why should you be able to do that? You know, pull a move, uh, like that, um, in, in the race and take out, uh, another driver. Um, you know, that's not really the way to be doing things. Um, but you know, Joseph Newgarden, um, kind of, you know, going at it with fans as well, um, on Twitter, which is a pretty interesting exchange there kind of, I don't know, turning into modern day Paul Tracy kind of sort of, uh, but you know, without the, without the gut, I guess he's a more fit Paul Tracy, but, uh, maybe Paul Tracy from 30 years ago, but, um, that's, uh, kind of, I was thinking about it earlier, but you know, Joseph Newgarden, um, is also still in the conversation as well. Four wins on the season, the most, the most, uh, in the, in the series and, uh, not as consistent as, uh, Scott Dixon or willpower, but nonetheless still in the conversation could very well win at, uh, gateway and could also win you know, at, at Portland too. So, um, I think those three drivers and Alex below and, um, uh, Marcus Erickson can still have a chance to win the title. So it's not over yet, but, you know, I think like in, you know, the other series, like in the Xfinity, I think the championship uh, conversations begin to consolidate into, you know, four drivers, maybe five drivers. Uh, I think really it's probably three drivers who have a realistic shot at the championship, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens over the next three races here. Um, but, uh, this is a, wild wild race and a lot of a lot of incidents that happened um not quite as uh, terrible as last year you know last year we had the restart wrecks and um you know all the controversies that happened and from that because of where they placed the the uh restart i guess uh go wherever the you know where you accelerate to uh, restart the race um they moved that uh back so that they would wouldn't uh you know, according in the field coming off the last turn to start, uh, start the race. So, uh, that was a good adjustment by them, but still this track's very bumpy, uh, at Nashville and still a lot of tight corners and yeah, definitely leads to mechanical failures. Like we saw with like Jimmy Johnson, um, breaking his suspension and spinning out on his own or, you know, the new garden Grosjean incident, or even Graham Ray Hall and Pat Ward making contact and taking themselves both out of the race here. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, Nashville race was very tough on, on the cars and, um, you know, it showed with all the cautions, but it was still, you know, a pretty good race to watch. Yeah. The whole Joseph Newgarden turning into like PT 2.0, I guess he's just really frustrated at the moment. Um, I'd go and say when you're driving for team Penske and you're essentially their future because McLaughlin and him are some similar age, uh, range, I think think i'm trying to see the his uh, bio their bio on here doesn't say anything of course um yeah it's great so i was trying to make a point there about i mean new garden and mclaughlin are the future of the team powers you know generally getting long in the tooth and i mean he's he's also a dick so i mean that kind of is a thing uh he's still in this points battle Right now, you know, 32 points out with three races to go. Gateway is one of his best race tracks. And then the last two races, the West Coast uh, swing to end the season is really a free-for-all uh, because, you know, they'll they'll have a week off after uh, Gateway and then they'll have two, they'll um, have back-to-back races at, at Portland and um, at 
uh, Laguna Seca and to determine the champion there and this year in the Indy cars. But I mean, there's now it's a four, it's really a four horse race uh, amongst those guys. I mean, I guess five really with Alex Pillow still in there. Um, you can add, I mean, there are seven drivers that are still really in it because if it's a hundred points, you're really out. But I look at, you know, the two Penske guys and the two Ganassi guys, I guess you can really, it's going to, I mean, it's always, you, you can't go wrong going Penske versus Ganassi. That's what it is here. Um, it's where this championship is going to get determined. The Andretti Autosport team is too inconsistent. They make too many mistakes. The uh, McLaren team, same kind of deal, have pace, but they're not consistent. It's why they are where they are. Um, even though they have great drivers, um, Award and Rossi, Rosenquist is ninth, Colton Hurd is tenth. So they're those guys are right there. Arenas VK announced a long-term extension with Ed Carpenter Racing, so that's a big, uh, big uh, get by Ed Carpenter to keep Arenas VK. I think that's because for whatever reason, uh, uh, Chip Ganassi didn't want to pay him. But then that's not shocking. Chip Ganassi has never been known for paying drivers. Um, if to go and uh, replace Alex Pillow, who's still in limbo and litigation in regards to who he's going to drive for and what he's going to be driving next year, that's its own little question mark that we have there. Um, but we'll get into it more next uh, week on the GSP when we preview the race at Gateway. IMSA ran at uh, Road America for the um, Fastlane Sports Car Weekend uh, at Road America. You got, uh, close this over here, and then trying to get the results from the event. Saw Bleep Albuquerque and Ricky Taylor get the victory over the uh, Ganassi Cadillac teammates. Alex Lynn, Earl Bamber in the 0-2 car. Earl Bamba. And then uh, Sebastian Bourdais, Renger van de Zanda. They've made Renger Vander into one name. That's cool. Uh, the points leaders coming in were Oliver Jarvis, Tom Blomquist for Meyer Shank Racing Acura. They crashed late in the race and uh, ended up finishing fourth because of the, the cleanup time was too long to for them to actually um, get back under green. Ryan, uh, the LMP2 class actually finished on the same lap as the uh, DPIs, which is interesting. doesn't happen all that often. I guess it's because it's a, a sprint race at Road America. Ryan DL, Dwight Merriman for Arab Motorsport uh, win in LMP2. All the uh, LMP2 cars are the Oricas. Uh, they beat... Uh, Louis Delatras, John Ferrano in the eight car, and then um, Fabio Scheer, Dennis Anderson in the 20. I'm forgetting their teams or whatever, but that's that. Uh, Felipe Fraga, Gar Robinson for Riley Motorsports wins LMP3 over Matt Bell, Orly Fidani, AWA. Uh, there was a car 90 that was a yeah, Duquesne. Yeah, that's what that is. It was an interesting chassis. Colin Brown, John Bennett for Core Autosport. Round out the podium in LMP3. So those were 13th through 15th. Uh, the LMP2s were 9th through 
or seventh through ninth. And then I'm trying to, what is it, six? Uh, oh, so the, the PR1 Matheson cars started ahead of them, but they had issues there. Uh, in GT Pro, Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote for Vassar Sullivan Lexus wins over the uh, Faf Porsche, Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, and Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor round out the podium in the Corvette. In GTD, Windward Racing Mercedes gets the victory. Philip Ellis, Russell Ward over Jeff Westfall, Robert McGinnis, the Carbon uh, with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini, and Aaron Tielitz, Frankie Montecalvo, and the Vassar Sullivan Lexus round out the podium there. Um, only four, that's the thing, GT Daytona actually got lapped only four times, and uh, GT Pro three times so chose i mean i think part of it was because of the weather uh the rain uh played a big part in that and it was in changing conditions uh which affected things um they didn't update it doesn't look like they updated the standings because yeah they didn't put in or yeah that's for yeah i want to see this they didn't put in road america yeah so the imsa hasn't even put in the Road America results. Uh, Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque have a 19-point lead going into the last race of the year at Petit Le Mans. Yeah, so I can't even do anything with that. That's great. Um, last season, trying to look for the schedule. Um, can't do anything with that. That's great. Uh, class. This website blows. I've said it on this show. I think I have said it on the show. I'm pretty sure the IMSA website is trash, but then they're a NASCAR entity, so it makes sense that uh, that it's terrible. The schedule, yeah, okay, there you go. Finally got it. Um, the next race, they, they run at the end of September, so they essentially have two uh, six weeks off. Uh, the prototypes have uh, six weeks off, uh, before they they run their their uh, season finale, uh, the Michelin GT Challenge at VIR will will see the um, IMSA WeatherTech uh, Sports Car Series GT classes race um, GTD Pro GTD. Uh, there'll be LMP3 for the prototype challenge and all so. Uh, the prototypes will be off for essentially six weeks, so there will be a lot of testing going on, probably some deals being made in regards to the GTP category, um, and we'll see what comes of that. Hopefully I can get some points. Uh, the points will be, uh, I'll be able to have the points by the time they run again, for sure, um, late September, which is retarded uh, how, uh, how they have that set up. Um, the, uh, MotoGP British Grand Prix sees, um, Fabio Quattararo, um, he still has the points lead, but it's kind of tenuous. They're trying to make, sell it as tenuous after winning two of the, the, two of the last three races before the summer break and three races total along with, uh, four podiums out of five, an eighth place finish. At uh, the British Grand Prix, Alicia Spargaro has a huge has a huge wrecking qualifying, gets hurt, but um, is 
still in the points battle. He's 22 points behind Fabio Quattararo. Peko Bagnaia gets the victory. Uh, Nea Bastaini finishes fourth, or finishes, yeah, finishes fourth. So the Ducatis, um, essentially for Peko Bagnaia, he's won four races this year, has two fifths, and then otherwise there's not a whole lot of anything. So if Peko Bagnaia can get on a run, it could be really, really dangerous for um, the field here. Um, for the points, there's still, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races to go in the championship. They'll run in a couple weeks' time, so we'll preview the Austrian Grand Prix next week. Then there will be uh, four races in the month of September, uh, San Marino Grand Prix. So I guess it's Mugello or something, I don't know, um, or uh, whatever, whatever this, yeah, Aragon, um, then the Japanese Grand Prix at uh, Twin Ring Motegi and then Thailand. So busy month of September is going to make a big, play a big part in regards to what happens in that championship. Uh, I mean, the top nine were only separated by four, less than four seconds, so that's pretty crazy. Peko Bagnaia, Maverick Vinales, Jack Miller, Enea Bestaini, Jorge Martin, so four Ducatis in the top five. Miguel Oliveira on a KTM in six. Alex Rins in seventh on a, on a Suzuki. Atoraro, Ali Shispargo, so the points guys, eighth and ninth. And Marco Bezzecchi finished tenth. You're trying to go. The first Honda was 14th, Ola Spargaro. And the last point was scored by Franco Morbidelli on the other factory, uh, Yamaha. Uh, so, I mean, that's where the points are at. It's interesting to see, uh, how that goes. The Ducatis are definitely really fast and they have a lot of them out there. Um, can Bagnaia or Enea Bastaini, who have both, uh, seemingly been the most prolific in regards to winning this year, Bastaini has three wins this year. Uh, Quattraro has three wins. Quattraro is or Bagnaia is four. So those are the three guys. Ali Shispargaro has just scored points in every round, and that's where how he's in this uh, mix. Johan Zarco qualified on pole, but uh, didn't score points uh, yesterday. Unfortunately for him, uh, the points battle between Bagnaia. There's what twenty three. 24 points between Begnai and Miller from third to sixth. So the two factory Ducati guys and then two satellite riders. Then you have Brad Bender, Alex Rins, Maverick Vinales in the last two races has finished third and second. So he's getting a, a hold of that uh, Aprilia and figuring it out. So uh, moving himself into a position, uh, there's... Rins, Vinales, Oliveira, and Jorge Martin, separated by three points. Joanne Mir, seven points back behind of Rins. So uh, from eighth to twelfth is only separated by seven points. Uh, going into the next race, which will be the Austrian Grand Prix. In Moto2, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Americans struggled uh, there at, uh, at the British Grand Prix. Um, Augusto Fernandez gets the victory over Alonzo Lopez, Jake Dixon, Ayagura, and Aaron Kinnett. Celestino Vietti finished sixth, Joe Roberts ninth, Jorge Navarro tenth, Philip uh, Selak and Bo Ben Bendisnyer round out your top ten. 
the standings going into the Austrian Grand Prix for them. Augusto Fernandez coming off of his with three wins in a row for him and uh, four wins out of the last five races has uh, taken the points lead. He is uh, 13 points ahead of Agura, 15 points ahead of Celestino Vietti, who had started the year with two wins and uh, and a second. He has three wins and two seconds overall. Uh, so that's the battle right there. Ayagura has one win and has scored points in most of the races. It is one, two, three, four, five podium finishes so far this year. So that's the battle for Moto2 supremacy. Ayagura might be getting a call up to MotoGP no matter what he does um, here the rest of the season. Joe Roberts is sixth in points, two points behind Tony Arbolino. Um, he won, um, he's won one race. He has two podium finishes so far this year. You know, trying to move himself up, getting to that top five. Um, what's it called? Uh, Cameron Bobier crashed out of the race on Sunday, seventeenth uh, in points. Still, you know, has an outside shot of moving himself up a little bit, getting himself inside the top fifteen, pretty good. Um, he's thirty-five points out of ninth, so he could put something together and maybe uh, have a chance. Um, but it'll take some work. Um, Sean Dillon Kelly uh, finished the race, but didn't score points, but he's on a learning year. Going into the uh, race, uh, the Seoul Epri, going into that uh, doubleheader bird out for Seoul Formula E finale. Oh, that's not good. Um, Norman Nato for Sam Bird is unable to compete. Broken hand. Wow. Um, that's not good. So Norman Nato, 18, so interesting mid-season driving change in driving south this season. All right, so sucks for Sam Bird. You know, he's Ferrari, uh, factory driver too. So that's, that's part of, uh, that's a brutal way to end, uh, that his, uh, season. The last two races of the championship, uh, this coming weekend, Stoffel Van Dorn has a 36-point lead on uh, Mitch Evans, who is the teammate of Sam Bird at Jaguar. Eduardo Mortara, 41 points back in third. Jean-Eric Verne, um, they think you need 50 points. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, so Jean-Eric Verne has no chance. Former multiple uh, champion of Formula E. He's in fourth. Antonio Felix da Costa, fifth. Luca DeGrassi, sixth. Robin Frines, Nick DeVries, the defending world champion, eighth. Jake Dennis for Andretti in ninth. Those are the guys that have really scored a lot of points. The Porsche duo of Verline and Lauderer struggled uh, this year. Uh, they got a 1-2, and I think it looks like Portugal, and then um, haven't had much to show for it ever since. So we'll see what happens. Ken Stoffel Van Dorn, the former Formula 2 champion, a former McLaren Formula 1 driver, in the last race for the Mercedes Formula E team, get a second consecutive Formula E championship for them. Uh, Won one race this year, has been uber consistent. Uh, He's finished on the podium, one, two, three, four, 
five, six times in top five finishes, 10 times in, in however many races here for 10 out of the last 12 races in the top five. So that's, that's a way to go and get yourself in there. And I don't know what, Oh, so the poster just fell off. Okay. Lovely. Um, I was wondering what that sound was. Lovely. So I have to take that down. Damn thing. Uh, NHRA, uh, will be running at Topeka this, uh, coming weekend, coming off the Western swing. And, uh, they're getting close to their playoff, which will start after Indianapolis or at Indianapolis, actually. Um, there, what is it? Yeah. Clinch County. Yeah. Brittany force going in is on the top fuel. She's clinched a countdown berth already and leads the points in top fuel by 75 points over Mike Salinas, who essentially by showing up and making a run uh, this weekend on Friday will lock himself into the playoff. The interesting uh, battle is right there on the cutoff line. I mean, they have a top 10 cutoff line, but if you run every, if you show up to every race and you make two qualifying runs, you're eligible for the playoffs. So Tony Schumacher won the last race at Seattle. He's 10 points beyond Clay Milliken. Um, Austin Prock is within the, that realm. Doug Coletta's there. Antron Brown is outside of the points. He's way back. He's 82 points out of the top 10. But those guys are all uh, probably going to make the the cutoff or make the playoff three drivers have already uh, locked into the funny car uh, countdown with Robert height who leads Matt Hagen by 228 points. So he's going to win the regular season more than likely too. Uh, Ron caps is in third, uh, three different manufacturers, Chevy Dodge and Toyota there. Um, John force. Once he makes a run is going to be uh, in as well. The points battle there, seven, 17 points between Jim Campbell and Chad Green for the cutoff. Blake Alexander is uh, 25 points out of the top 10. So that's the battle there. Uh, I think all those guys would make the playoffs. So there'd be 12 drivers in that uh, field as well. Eric Anders and Aaron Stanfield are locked in. Um, Eric Ender is probably going to win the regular season, so she'll get uh, extra bonus points. Um, outside of that, I mean, you're looking at it's all it's an all Chevy uh, deal there. The cutoff is actually a little interesting. The Quadra family, Christian Quadra and uh, Fernando Quadra Jr. are both in play. I mean, Qua- Fernando Quadra Jr. and Derek Kramer are three, four points behind Bo Butner. And then uh, Christian Quadra's, uh, what is it, 30, uh, 40, 41, 41 points behind Bo Butner. So those are the drivers that I think could make the playoff there in the pro stock uh, battle. I mean, it's really Eric Enders versus Aaron Stanfield, who I think both of them are elite. I mean, of course, Eric Enders is a lead performance driver, but I think Garen Stanfield is also supported by elite performance, so that's interesting. Uh, Kyle Koretsky, Greg Anderson, and Dallas Glenn are right behind them. Those are the KB Racing trio. Um, Troy Coughlin Jr., who won, at, who won recently, he's a elite car 
Camry Caruso is somebody who's not in that realm, I don't think. So it's nice to actually see somebody that isn't connected one of those two teams running up there. Uh, Pro Stock Motorcycle, there's still a lot of time to go. Points battles very close. Five riders within 70 points. Angel Sampay, who just celebrated her birthday, so happy birthday to Angel. Two points ahead of Joey Gladstone, 12 ahead of Steve Johnson, uh, Matt Smith, and then Eddie Krawick are your top five. Um, there's 25 points between Jimmy Onderdahl and Ryan Ayler. You have Kelly Klontz, Chris Bostic, Gianna Salinas, or I think she changed her government because she just got married um, recently. So, um, so we'll see what happens with that. There's still a few races to go before their, their playoff. I mean, obviously it's like three, two races to go before the playoff starts for them. Um, so that'll be something we'll see what happens with the NHRA. You have, uh, you have Heartland park, uh, Topeka this weekend where they used to run, uh, uh, NASCAR trucks run the SECA nationals. Um, they, um, that's where Jim Epler ran 300 miles an hour in a funny car first funny car, 300 mile an hour, uh, run was there at to Heartland park. And then they'll run next the following week at Brainerd before they take a week off or they take the, yeah, week, a little over a couple weeks off before the U S nationals. And then the playoffs or that's where the playoffs start. So. That's where we'll see um, the NHRA going. Uh, let's get into Richmond, Josh. Uh, let's start with trucks in regards to their their situation. Uh, they had a they had a playoff race at Indianapolis Raceway Park a couple weeks ago, which saw Grand Enfinger get the win at IRP um, T Sport Two Hundred, whatever the hell T Sport is. It's Door sports, something or another. Um, 42 trucks for 36 spots. You have Brennan Poole running for the G2G team, which is a joke. Um, you have some people that have not shown up. Uh, generally, there's a couple unfamiliar names there. Jake Garcia is driving a second McAnally truck there. You have uh, Joey Gase actually driving for uh, Young's, Tyler Young's team. Trey Hutchins coming in. Some other people I've never even seen before. Chad Chastain, the brother of Ross, I assume. Yeah, that's his uh, brother. Lane Riggs, the son of Scott Riggs, is back in the 62 truck uh, this coming weekend, trying to qualify on time. Uh, but uh, in... You have uh, Brett Holmes there for his own team with Shane Huffman as his crew chief. Uh, Austin Wayne Self actually driving again, which is unfortunate. They have had better drivers in those trucks when he wasn't driving. Uh, Taylor Gray coming off of one of his best runs of his career and having the momentum with the Arca series and the wins he's been having recently. Um, had a chance at IRP, got wrecked by John Hunter Nemechek. Norm Benning is actually showing up. To fail to qualify, I guess. Uh, Roger Kruth and Spire, uh, number seven. But getting into the um, points, the driver points at the moment, um, Grant Enfinger has the win uh, 
going into this uh, round. So he's already locked in. He doesn't have to worry about anything. Um, Zane Smith still has a points lead over Ben Rose by 14 points. Enfinger is third tied with Stuart Friesen. And uh, John Hunter Nemechek fifth tied with his teammate Chandler Smith. Uh, 26 points behind. Ty Majeski and Carson Hosevar is on the cutoff. He is seven points ahead of uh, door sport teammates Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes. So running at Richmond International Raceway on Saturday night for the second race of the Truck Series playoffs, Josh, what are you looking at and who are you looking at to uh, win and uh, get a wild card? Since you were pretty good on your picks a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that on the show last week. Your picks were way better than mine, uh, but that's not shocking. But uh, you had better picks there, so let's see who you're picking. Yeah, of course. I think you know. First of all, looking at this uh, this race, um, it's um, only the second time we've been back to Richmond uh, since they started, you know, going back to Richmond a couple years ago in the Truck Series. So there's not really a whole lot of history here. But um, I think you know, looking at how the series uh, has raced so far this year, I think you'll see Zane Smith. Uh, up front, um, I think um, John Hunter Nemechek won this race last year in the four truck, and then you know he also finished uh, in in second uh, in the Xfinity race back in uh, finished back in the Xfinity race back in the uh, uh, spring. Um, went back to the uh, yeah back into the Xfinity race and then um, finished. Uh, you know, back in second in the Xfinity race in the spring, but um, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he can uh, race this year, especially not really being um, in uh, the contention as he has been so far this year. He's fifth in the standings, so um, not really as solid as he was last year, but um, it's been interesting year for John Ernemichek, and I think his biggest contender this year has been Zane Smith, so um, I think you know, Zane Smith has got seven stage wins on the year, and uh, John Hunter has only gotten four. So he's been up front a whole lot more often uh, and reflects itself in the r- number of race wins that he's had as well. So um, I think Zane Smith probably is going to be the guy this weekend, get, uh, make his way into the next round, into the uh, round of eight, secure his spot there. Um, I think John Hunter, I think, will still do well, but it's um, going to be a tough uh, tough deal between him and Zane Smith. Um, I think also you should look out for Ben Rhodes. You know, Ben Rhodes has been uh, a guy that hasn't really won a whole lot. He's only had one win this year, um, but he's had eight stage wins. So he could be a guy that we look out and see for a uh, stage victory uh, here in, in the uh, truck series here on Friday night. But um, I'm going to, I'm going to pick uh, Zane Smith to win this race. And then um, think uh wild card, uh, you know, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with Raja Karuth in the number seven Spire Motorsports. Uh, that's been a solid truck this year. Uh, Raja's, um, you know, coming up still. He's still trying to develop his talent, but you know, I'd like to like to see what he can do. Uh, and um, you know, it should be should be an interesting race uh, here on Friday night for the Truck Series. So or Saturday uh, for Truck Series. So yeah, we'll yeah. see we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'd love love to hear what you. Uh, Thank Phil, and we'll um, you know see what you have to say about this race on Friday. 
Yeah, I was going to pick Raja as my wild card, so you you swept in and did that. So I have to actually go and um, pick somebody else there. Uh, you talked about Zane Smith and John Hunter. John Hunter does he really does need a win. Uh, he hasn't been the same guy. I mean, I think also the notion of being the the designated uh, designated sub and then getting bumped by Ty Gibbs, I think, has played a, a part in why John Hunter's, uh, I guess, uh, performance has dropped off. I think when you lose the opportunity to be in a big-time cup car after, I mean, he was in a front-row motorsports car and for a whole whole year but you're going to be in the 45 car and then oh yeah we're going to go and put ty in instead of you that might be playing a part in why he's had this drop off and lack of uh performance but then you add the notion of how he drives guys he's kind of like ross chastain in that way you pick zane smith for uh saturday's race uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go and say Ty Majeski gets his first career victory on Saturday night. He's a short track ace, super late model guy. Uh, won a lot of the biggest races in that realm. They've quali- He's had good qualifying pace. Um, I think it's going to be a race where track position will play a role. Door Sport has made some improvements. Uh, ben Rhodes, of course, is the defending series champion. He's up there. He has all those stage wins. But I think uh, Ty Majeski is somebody, you know, in the similar thing as Grant Enfinger. If he can get that win, give himself that momentum and build something uh, for uh, the for the rest of this uh, playoff, uh, that would be something uh, for sure. My wild card pick for this race. I mean, you know, you Taylor Gray, who has run five races and uh, doesn't say anything over there. But that's who I'm going to pick as my wild card. I'm going to pick Taylor Gray, as, uh, which is crazy, since his crew chief is Chad Johnston. And I, it always seemed like this is a day. Like, I, I'm going off on John Klausmeyer, who's the crew chief of the 14 car. And then Chad Johnston, who used to be the crew chief of the 14 car, when Tony's career went down the toilet. And I'm picking Taylor Gray. But he can fade uh, the mediocrity of, because that that truck is good. Uh, they had a chance at IRP, as I said. Wouldn't be shocking if uh, he goes and gets that victory, in my mind, I, because of the pace he's had, because of his experience, because of what he's doing in ARCA on short tracks. Uh I think it would be uh, it wouldn't be shocking. They, and then they have a lot of data for data there. Uh, Xfinity Trucks Cup to go and make that happen. So I'm I'm saying Taylor Gray gets a first. So I'm picking two guys possibly to get their first career win. That's what I'm saying uh, on uh, Saturday night. Uh, I'll go again with you, Josh, first in. Uh, the Cup Series of Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond, which will be on Sunday afternoon uh, on NBC. Only 36 cars, so all the chartered cars only. And uh, Gagson will be in the 16. Uh, J.J. Ailey, after wrecking 10 cars uh, 
last uh, yesterday at Michigan will be back in the 15. Landing Castle will be in the 77 uh, for Spire. Those are the changes. Otherwise, everybody else, it's the usual suspects there. Um, go back to Richmond earlier this year, just as an example, or just as, you know, going back to that William Byron got his, uh, what is it, second win of the year at that point, and that was in, in April, early April, and you can see how bad it's gone ever since. Uh, Blue Emu, or no, that's Martinsville, my fault. Uh, Richmond was Denny Hamlin. That was his first win of the season, and, De- and then he won the 600 because Briscoe spun out. That I forgot about that. Briscoe spun out trying to pass Kyle Larson. Well, Austin Dillon caused a big accident too, but yeah. yeah. I'll add that too. But uh, Denny Hamlin wins over Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Martin Truex, and Kyle Larson. Christopher Bell, sixth. Ryan Blaney, seventh. Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, and Austin Dillon. So a bunch of Toyotas there. What is it? Uh, Three, uh, four Toyotas in the top nine. You had Hendrick Cars as well, and Byron, and Larson, and Bowman. So three Hendrick Cars. And, uh, of course, Kevin Harvick at coming off a victory. Chase Briscoe actually finished 11th after starting 4th. Uh, so there is hope there. I didn't, I, I guess I no-sold him. But started 4th, finished 11th, which is pretty bad. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished 2nd in that race. So coming off a victory at one of his best racetracks. Uh, you know, looking at some of these guys, I mean, you, you got uh, Blaney got a top 10, started on pole. Truex started sixth, finished fourth. Those are the two guys that are on that cutoff. You look at people that need a win. Austin Dillon finished 10th in that race. Briscoe, uh, of course, he needs a win uh, to really solidify himself. He finished 11th. Um, Clyde only finished 14th in that race. That was earlier in the year. Busher at a top 15. Uh, Chastain didn't have a great day. Uh, I'm trying to go through some of these other people. Bubba had, uh, he only finished 26th. Kurt Busch uh, was the last car running, but he was 109 laps down. So issues for him there uh, at Richmond the last time they ran. Uh, Castle and Yaley were in there and they sucked. And one of the worst finishes for McDowell this year, 30th. Um, so something to see, Josh, uh, uh, what, what should we look for? Is it going to be a uh, similar, is it going to be Hendrick and Gibbs again, or now that Kevin Harvick has this win, can he go and take that momentum and possibly carry that to a second consecutive win and kind of drive the Ford brigade back into this discussion for who, who has a chance to win this uh, championship in 2022. Well, I, I think you got to go back to, like you said, you got to go back to this race back in the spring. And, um, you know, Denny Hamlin kind of executed his strategy perfectly, but he wasn't the one that was up there uh, for the whole race. I think Martin Truex and uh, Ryan Truex, or um, not Ryan Truex, but Ryan Blaney uh, were both up there uh, in that race in the spring. Uh, Blaney led 128 laps, and then uh, Truex led uh, 
80 laps there in, in that race. So, um, you know, when you, uh, consider their performances back in the spring, um, I think you got to look at those two guys as the guys to beat at this racetrack, uh, here, uh, this weekend. And, um, I think, you know, if either of those guys win, then yeah, it's going to bring the field to, uh, 16 drivers. Um, and then, you know, of course, Watkins Glen and Daytona coming up, that's going to, um, really throw things for a loop if we get a new winner, uh, there. So, um, I think you look at, uh, Truex, I think, um, he's been good at this racetrack historically. Um, you know, he had a win here a couple of years ago. Um, he's been pretty good, uh, in terms of leading laps here as well. So, you know, I definitely think, uh, he should be, uh, up front, uh, in this race here. So yeah, I'm going to go with the number 19 in Truex, uh, yeah, I, I think Ryan Blaney, um, he'll lead laps, but I'm not sure if he'll, uh, be up there, uh, for the win. Uh, I think, you know, this is a, it's a Toyota racetrack. I think, you know, of course, with the owners, uh, Toyota owners 400 in the spring. And then, you know, Toyota's got a heavy, uh, sponsorship, uh, stake in the, the racetrack as well. So, um, Martin Truex, uh, the pick there, um, I think, um, for the wild card, um, you know, we'll go with, I mean, I'm trying to trying to base this off of the results uh, from the spring, kind of, or you know, have with uh, with reference to that. Uh, but uh, you know, looking looking at this, uh, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the wild cards here have already um, that I would have picked back in the spring have already won now. Um, but let's go with let's go with Eric Jones. Uh, I think he had a good car uh, back in the spring. Um, got a caught up in it. Uh, caution in uh, back in the spring uh, caused him to finish 25th, but he had a fast car uh, in qualifying. Remember, he uh, qualified in fifth place. So, I think uh, if you know Eric Jones with the way he's running right now, he's 14th in points, um, and he's been solid at a lot of these races, but hasn't been able to this season. But hasn't been able to put it all together. So, you know, I think he could be a guy that. Um, could be in contention if things go right with uh, him. So uh, we'll see how he's able to do that in the number 43 car. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking this weekend for Richmond. That would be something if uh, Eric Jones can get that win. Uh, it would be timely. He He's picked uh, big races to win. He's won the Coke Zero 400 and the Southern 500. Those are his two career uh, season victories. He also won the Bush Clash a couple of years ago with the destroyed race car. So three times he's won in the cup series and all of them are big races. So this would be a big win. Uh, if he could go and win for Mr. The King and uh, Maury Gallagher and get them in the playoffs. Uh, but also you pick Martin Truex Jr. So I'm going to go and play off that. You talked about MTJ and Mark, uh, Ryan Blaney. I was about to do the same thing. Uh, call him Ryan Truex, uh, Ryan Blaney, qualified on pole and led the most laps. The pit strategy didn't work out so well for him. Uh, earlier this year, him and Jonathan Hassler are figuring things out. Uh, he knows that he needs to win. Uh, don't leave it up to trying to make it happen at a road course. Don't try to leave it up to, because road, Watkins Glen can become a destruction derby, just like most road courses seem to do in, in NASCAR. And then Daytona is Daytona. You don't want to have to be in a position there. I'm picking Ryan Blaney to win on Sunday afternoon at Richmond. Uh, Former guest Phil Spain and his girlfriend uh, will be a fellow uh, Bubba fan will be there. Sarah 
Davis, I think is her name. Uh, she'll they'll be at Richmond together, so tweeting. So if you want to follow them, uh, they'll be uh, there. Uh, I'm picking Ryan Blaney to win this race. My wild card's Brad Keselowski. So it sounds like my old fandom uh, coming in. Brad Keselowski actually finished uh, 13th in that race. Uh, you know, and the and he was. Uh, it seems like he was actually in in the mix. Um, trying to go back. I'll go back to the schedule from or the results this year. Uh, it was only the seventh race of the season too. So the uh, starting lineup: yeah, you had Blaney and Byron, Kyle Busch and Chase Briscoe. Eric Jones started fifth. And Martin Truex started sixth. Uh, Brad Keselowski started 19th in that race. And uh, in regards to, and he got stage points in both stages. So it would be a wild card. He had that 100-point penalty early in the season for unapproved, uh, uh, you know, adjustments and stuff to the car or whatever infractions with the car there. So... If he was to go and get that win, it would really flip everything on its lid. Uh, Blaney and and Truex would have to win the next two races to bump him off, and that would give uh, a cushion to you know the likes of Kurt Busch and was a Chase Briscoe and uh, Austin Sindrick. But I mean, there's there are I mean uh, the six car has definitely not been as good as. Chris Buescher has for the majority of the year. But Brad wants to carry his weight and not make it look like he's been garbage most of the year, even though essentially he has been. Uh, so those are my picks. I pick Ryan Blaney and uh, Brad Keselowski. I'll go and uh, type those in. Y-R-B, wild card, Baba Bowie. So those are picks for this week. Uh, for the Cup Series at uh, Richmond and the trucks. Yeah, I was thinking about Brad for um, picks as as a wild card, but so I'd go with uh, uh, Eric Jones. But that's a, that's a good pick there for you as a wild card. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know for sure. I think I do think that one of those two points guys is going to win. I think both of them are going to win. We're 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 now we're in a position where they're going to angle for it. So the 17 winners now is going to happen because Kevin Harvick won. It, that's where this is all going to get really crazy and Daytona is going to be ridiculous. Uh people trying to go for stage points and all that um for sure. So yeah, uh, Tony Baselli goes into the Hall of Fame for the Jacksonville Jaguars, representing that organization. First player ever to get in for that team. And the first ever pick they had, he was a great player for them. But once he left Jacksonville, his injuries became an issue, and he wasn't able to really finish out the career the way he wanted to. But he was one of the best left tackles in the game. Got honored in Canton this past weekend amongst many uh, other great players in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, so there's a. I know I mentioned uh, I mentioned uh, 20, class of twenty two picks ten who belong. What the heck? Um, probably yeah. So it was Tony Baselli, 
uh, Leroy Butler, Richard Seymour, Dick Vermeil, and Brian Young. Uh, all of them were, and then each, yeah, they're talking about people who belong. And John McVeigh, so Sean McVeigh's uh, dad, uh, under Sailor and, and Super Bowls, yeah, under different dials. Yeah, John McVeigh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, then you have uh, Fred Taylor, okay, so Roger Craig, people that should be Marty Schoenheimer, Mike Holmgren, London Fletcher, Sterling Sharp, Lee Remmel, never George Seifert. I'm I'm not really sure about that, but he won two Super Bowls. Uh, Tory Holt definitely does, and then Tom Coughlin, which would be another one for you, Josh. Yeah, uh, because he was the original coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then he won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants. And um, that would be a big one. Uh, yeah, Sam Mills, yeah, London Fletcher, that's a good one. Marty Schottenheimer and and uh, Mike Holmgren, those are great. Yeah, Roger Craig should have, yeah, should be in. But then Fred Taylor, Fred Taylor when Fred he Taylor was... Fred Taylor deserves to be in. Yeah, Fred Taylor was was a great run back. I remember playing fantasy football years back and always wanting to get Fred Taylor, Mark Brunel or whatever, because you guys had that great offense, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell. Um, the, that was a, I always remember Jacksonville in the early days. That was uh, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And he, and of course you had a coach. I wasn't an offensive coach, but you had a great, you had a great offense. So I mean, uh, big weekend. Tony Baselli gets in, struggle in that preseason opener, but no massive injuries, right? You're you're still uh, in play as you go into this week two for you guys and the Las Vegas Raiders. They'll get extra time. You guys will get extra time uh, off before the season opener because you're doing the Hall of Fame game and you opened your training camp earlier. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, on the Hall of Fame bit, uh, you know, Tony Buscelli, um, you know, he'd been waiting for years for him to be in the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, he had proven in his career that he was Hall of Fame left tackle. Of course, you know, his biggest moment was um, blocking Bruce Smith in the 96 playoffs against the Bills. Um, and, of course, uh, in his playoff or his uh, Hall of Fame introduction, uh, when they selected him, Bruce Smith uh, announced his nomination um, and, um, you know, showed the respect and the um you know, the talent that uh, Tony Baselli had and, um, you know, should have had a longer career in Jacksonville and then um, shoulder injuries that kind of uh, built up over time. And uh, I think the story is that he had a botched uh, shoulder surgery in 2001 and um, was never really ready to play and never suited up that season. And I think the, the Jaguars, they worked out a deal uh, or something where they kind of released him as damaged goods and um, the Houston Texans went and picked him up. Of course, never played a game for them and retired after that. But, um, you know, finally he's in the Hall of Fame. We got a Jaguars player in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, real happy to see that. And then, of course, you know, the turnout for the Jacksonville Jaguars fans, uh, I think they had probably the biggest presence. Uh, seemed like it from what I can tell. Uh, they had the biggest presence at um, Canton um, where they had the Hall of Fame uh induction and everything so it was good to see that then of course it paves the way for other jaguars players to get in like fred taylor who um you know he had a career average of um 4.6 yards a carry in the nfl and um still one of the highest 
career averages uh, per carry in the NFL, and I think that's only second to uh, Barry Sanders. Um, and you know he's in the Hall of Fame right now. And you know Fred Fred should have been in the Hall of Fame or should be in the Hall of Fame too. Um, didn't get enough recognition in his career. Um, you know it was back back when the media um, didn't really have a whole lot of presence in Jacksonville or you know um, didn't really pay attention to them too much. Uh, but you know he was he was one of the guys and. Uh, you know, Fred had that 90-yard touchdown run uh, in the 2000 uh, or the 1999 playoffs against the Miami Dolphins, and um, you know he had that run, and that's the longest run in NFL playoff history, and hasn't been broken ever since then. And not sure if we'll ever see it again. Um, sure, somebody's going to break it at this point. The fact that it's stayed. Uh, around that long for 20 years shows how good he was and uh, shows you know the type of player he was being able to do a jump cut and on a draw play and then take it you know take it the distance and then um, you know Jimmy Smith who's also um, somebody that should be in the Hall of Fame too he um, you know if Jimmy if Fred Fred Taylor had a 4.3 on that play of uh, you know 40 yard dash speed then Jimmy Smith must have had like a 3.1 because you know he was he was coming and uh he sprinted all the way down the field to get the last block uh for Fred Taylor to score that touchdown um and you know Jimmy Smith should be in the or should be in the Hall of Fame I think you know he has the statistics and um you know if you really watched the Jaguars in the 90s and um you saw that he was able to um put up all those numbers and um the talent that he had so I think, you know, they should be the next two players to get into the Hall of Fame uh, for the NFL, um, hopefully hopefully sooner than later, so we don't have to wait too long. Um, but, you know, they both deserving players, all of them deserving players to be in the Hall of Fame and, you know, finally happy to have uh, one of our guys. And and for me, this was this was before my time, Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, um, well, part, part of Fred Taylor's career, his first part of his career, and uh, Jamie Smith, that was all before my time because I'd didn't really start being a Jaguars fan until like 2003, 2004. Um, but you know, before that, um, would have, would have liked to have been a fan in the nineties, but I was a little bit too young, uh, for that, um, there, but then the hall of fame game, uh, that preceded the ceremonies, um, yeah, not really too much to worry about. I think the big thing to take away from that is Trayvon Walker. Um, he's shown why he's the number one pick had, had the first play, um, Zipped, uh, stormed right by the left tackle, and was able to uh, hit the uh, the quarterback on the first play, caused the penalty, but you know, it's, you know one of those BS penalties there. So, I uh, think Trayvon Walker, you know, should be a guy to look out for, um, proving you know that he is why they picked him number one. Um, the Trent Balky masterclass, um, at least on that pick, seemingly looking like it's a um, a, d- a good a good deal so we'll, we'll see uh how they play out the rest of the preseason and as they open the regular season week one in washington so um should be exciting um not too worried about it unlike last year where you know the starters all the starters were playing against the browns backups for the most part and they were playing poorly and showed you how poor they were coaching wise but you know the backups against the raiders backups um not really too much to worry about there so um, you know, we'll see how they, the starters do this. Yeah. This Friday against the, against the Browns. So, uh, excited to see the rest of the players, Trevor Lawrence and all, all the other guys, Christian Kirk, uh, make their preseason debut on Friday night, um, here. So, um, and one, one note on the Raiders, I will say is that Josh Jacob played snaps in the, uh, in the hall of fame game, which is unusual. And 
could be on the trading block for some other teams. So um, we'll see what Josh McDaniels as the coach GM wants to do. But that was a little bit unusual seeing, uh, you know, credible starter like Josh Jacobs taking multiple serious snaps uh, for uh, the Raiders on last Thursday night. But yeah, it should be an interesting preseason and then, you know, lead up into the uh, fantasy draft, you know, assuming that's going to be later that this month, if not in the very beginning of next month. So, you know, looking forward to all of that uh, later. Yeah. Well, our fantasy draft is as of now on the 21st, uh, unless we have enough people that want to change it. Uh, that's what I put it on as uh, we'll have a Zoom call and the whole thing, so people can be All on right, that. Looking forward we'll to talk it. about that. For Josh has been second the last two years in this league, uh, the Fall Brawl League. I have to and change second my and third, right? Second, I I figured it was second both years, but I think second and third is right. Um, I need to get myself back up there, uh, hold, keep my championship belt. Because um, Joe's never going to get it because he has two young kids. Vic didn't bother to take it because he's moving. Uh, but because Vic has no life outside of being um, outside of fantasy football and his work and whatever and is married. But he didn't bother to take it. Uh, maybe Josh can have it and I'll actually send it down to you. Um, I'm hoping not to. I want to keep it and I want to have it on the show and be able to hold it up on here. But... Niners will be uh, playing this weekend, of course, to start their uh, 2022 season. Uh, the training camp so far has been uh, pretty beneficial for them. And uh, Trey Lance has gotten a lot of good reps against the defense, the improved defense, which is crazy to think considering how good it was last year. Shavarius Ward has come in and been a great addition there uh or Traverius word whatever Traverius sorry uh it's it's late uh big free agent signing there um 49ers have um a lot of momentum uh here uh they are one of the uh preseason yeah preseason 2022 yeah they're one of the big picks in regards to uh, the season for what essentially what who would who would uh, have a chance to go and make it to Arizona um, Glendale for the Super Bowl. Um, I think that would be uh, it would be huge. Uh, Niners have made the Super Bowl a couple times uh, in my lifetime recently and not been able to pull it off. If they were able to do it, it would be great. Uh, Giants and Patriots will uh, be on NFL Network and then on local for me here in the, the metro New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. And then Titans and Ravens will also be playing on Thursday, four games on Friday, Falcons and Lions, which will be on uh, NFL Network. Uh, Jaguars will play the Browns on Friday night Bengals the Cardinals and then Jets and Eagles uh Friday night and then the Niners will open up against the Packers on NFL Network uh, the timing doesn't seem to work out that way but whatever Niners will be at home to open their preseason against uh Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers who does the ayahuasca 
to go and get himself into a Zen place. Uh, tells you what you need to do after you go and fuck Danica Patrick. Um, to go and forget that, you have to go and do the ayahuasca. Uh, Saturday is a busy slate. What is it? Three, four, four, eight game slate. Uh, four games will be on the NFL network there. And Sunday, we'll see the Raiders come back playing against the Vikings. They'll be at home in Allegiant Stadium there. So we'll we'll get uh, some, we'll talk about uh, the results there next week on the show. Probably get into a little fantasy talk more because uh, uh, the draft will be uh, upcoming at that point. Uh, the following week, that following Sunday, and then we'll give you a review on episode 130 of the GSP, um, what comes of that there um, with the draft. I have to go and do some work and prep, uh, amongst other things I have to do there. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to, uh, I'll I'll bring up this thing, I'm talking about the Hall of Famers, three people that are going to be on the ballot next year, for the first time, are Darrell Revis, Dwight Freeney, Joe Thomas. Um, those those three guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. I'm pretty sure those are going to be modern era guys that get in, uh, especially Darrell Revis. I mean, I'm pretretty sure both Darrell Revis and Dwight Freeney get in. Um, I don't know how Zach Thomas isn't in the Hall of Fame, but it's kind of tells you where I don't know how they do the modern era and how they go and come up with that. Zach Thomas, I remember him going back years and years ago. I always remember him as one of the best linebackers in the game, undersized linebacker, um, great motor, played the game the right way. Uh, Miami Dolphins, him and Jason Taylor were were the Miami Dolphins leadership and defense for years uh it, it amazes me that he isn't in but then brian young had to wait uh many years before he got his call so i guess that's how the nfl the pro football hall of fame works uh in that sense so we'll see what happens i mean i'm curious to see what the niners bring to the table of course they beat green bay in january in the playoffs in a big spot there and uh, got to the NFC championship game with Jimmy G as our quarterback. Trey Lance gets a shot. Uh, they're probably only going to play a series. So hopefully they can go and move the ball. Him and Brandon Ayuk are, are simpatico. Uh, they're making big plays together. Uh, GK is bound to have a breakout like he had a few years ago when he was an all pro. And then Debo is getting back into a shape because he wasn't really putting in the full energy there. Defense is on point uh, in all in all areas. Uh, secondary is what I'm looking forward to the most to see what they do against Green Bay. Uh, try to get some turnovers. Try to go and force uh, AA run out on his one drive that he's probably going to have, and then go from there. But we'll talk about it. Uh, next week on the GSP. Uh, Josh, uh, I know you haven't been on for a couple weeks, but there's been a lot of uh, updates. There's been some track additions, I think, on iRacing and some of the other places. And then, you know, you're seeing stuff on F122, adding uh, different playing um, options there. So um, let us know what you're 
going to do or what you are doing in that realm. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably getting back into the swing of things here. So um, I think we, you know, with um, the iRacing side, um, um, think uh, probably do some 87s. I, I think 87 cars at Charlotte this week on there. So I'll try to maybe run one or two races there. It's, it's a um, tough, Charlotte's a tough track on the 87 car, um, a lot of tire wear, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, especially on the right front, um, you got to be real careful with the tires and um, drive fairly conservatively um, and manage the fuel strategy as well there. Um, I think with uh, the other series, uh, IndyCar, fixed IndyCar is at Gateway, so mirroring the real schedule, uh, but a couple weeks in advance for IndyCar, so that should be interesting. Um, always interesting on the oval side with uh, the Indy cars. Um, so, you know, we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Um, maybe I'll try the cup or Xfinity at Richmond. Um, the, you know, the cup series car has been pretty interesting this year. Uh, like it on the road courses, but I haven't really tried it too much on, on the short tracks. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I think maybe on the road course side, doing a, a little bit of, um, the uh, Ferrari GT3 challenge at uh, Okiyama Circuit. Probably do some uh, Mazda Miata. Is always a fun car to uh, drive around in, and I don't know maybe one of the um, F3 or um, Indy Pro 2000 cars. So try to do that there. I need to look at the schedule, but uh, we'll see what I can do there, and then um, try to try to do some racing on F122. We'll see uh, you know what I'm able to do there. Um, you know I'll try to hook up twitch to that so y'all can see that um and um you know let you know what i'm doing but um yeah i just think this week just try to get back in the swing of things uh you know as uh get back into it as uh back from vacation and all that stuff so uh glad to glad to be back so i can you know do more sim racing and um you know be able to uh you know spend my free time doing that so um you know it should be interesting so uh, as always you know you can follow uh the Twitch streams, Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 Go watch uh, those and uh, see all the stuff that I got on there. Um, uh, and then, you know, see, uh, I'll let you know when I, when I go live for that. So you can see whatever, uh, whenever I, I uh, drive and see my driving, see if I'm like any of these real drivers, or maybe I might race against some of these real drivers, which has happened before. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I'll start off the close there, which, you know, again, uh, you can see the Twitch streams, Twitch TV slash, uh, UCLR2 and then, um, go on there and, you know, make sure to subscribe or, uh, follow. And then I'll tweet it out, uh, when I go live there. Um, and then of course my social media, which is, uh, Twitter TV or yeah, twitter.com slash, uh, JB Huffine, go there and, um, see, uh, you know, talk about my interests and talk about uh, all the racing action that we saw this past weekend and all the racing we'll see next weekend and the following weeks as we get closer to the NASCAR playoffs and um, the conclusion of IndyCar and, and the, you know, finale, the uh, conclusion to the Formula One uh, season as well. So, um, you know, I'll be posting all, all my interests and all my thoughts on there as well, uh, which you can follow there at JB Huffline. And then, of course, the uh, YouTube stream, which we'll, you know, we'll have up later this week, have, uh, all our episodes on there. You can see us, see our guests, see Joe, um, see Ralph Shaheen, like we had a couple weeks ago, uh, go on there at Twitch or not Twitch, but at YouTube, uh, uh, 
youtube.com slash podcast. Go on there, Gripshare Podcast on YouTube. Please like, comment, and subscribe, and uh, you know, put post notifications on for our videos so you can see um, when we go uh, post our videos. And you know, usually try to have them up at the end of the week. So uh, go on there and subscribe to our channel and help us grow the channel. So yeah, I'll let you take over the rest of the close there uh, for the night, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. It was good uh, being back with you. And, I mean, Joe Passero did a great job, as he always does, in the co-host role. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, me and Josh. That's the show. That's the Gripster podcast. That's what we are. I mean, obviously, Joe coming in has been a great addition. But we started this thing during pandemic, and we're still in pandemic uh, in a way. And we still have the show going. So I'm glad uh, you're back. And you're refreshed. Hopefully I can do something like that during this month. Kind of need it. Um, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find me at GripstripPod on or You can find us at GripstripPod on Twitter. Uh, we are on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Verbal. Our YouTube page is at Gripster Podcast, which Josh runs and posts the videos. And um, we're we'll have the the shows up here this week. A couple of shows will go up. Um, we're you know we, we're trying to go and keep the content rolling. And uh, you know there's going to be news. I think there's going to be some big news in regards to um, Kyle Bush. Uh, it looks like since he's trending on Twitter, uh, you have uh, Larson won a sprint car race, so uh, he isn't going to be running uh, the Knoxville Nationals. It looks like, um, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. There you go. I'll go retweet that. Uh, if you want to, you're on Facebook. We're on other different places there. Instagram, Philip G Matthew twenty eight for me. Um, so uh, please uh, follow us. Uh, give us a like, listen, subscribe, and um, you know support us so that we can go and uh, keep on growing this show and make it as good as we possibly can. So um, with that, we'll be back for episode 129 next week on the Grifter Podcast, talking about Richmond for Cup and Trucks. You know, we have Formula E, NHRA going on. There will be IndyCar uh, at Gateway. There will be other racing going on as well. Uh, trying to go and figure it out off the top of my head, but um, there will be um, upcoming events. Yeah, so there will be. It'll be a busy weekend. You'll have Watkins Glen for Cup and Xfinity. You'll have Supercars at Sandown. MotoGP Moto Two will uh, be at Red Bull Ring. In Austria, you will also, yeah, so those will be, that'll be the racing there. So that'll be the big, big talking points there. We'll talk about football, talk about fantasy football next week and uh, the Fall Brawl League as well. So um, with that, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Grifter Podcast. Goodbye.